Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Welcome to Leave Our World a Better Place. My name is Kasia and today I'm speaking to Deborah Fox and Chris Brown from Fox Brown Creative. Chris and Deb are the award-winning team responsible for designing and hospitality training at some of the world's top luxury properties, including many of NBeyond's most loved lodges and camps. Chris and Deborah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us, Cassia. Lovely to be here today. Chris and Deborah, you travel extensively to all kinds of exotic destinations around the world for your job. But where is home for you? Where are you actually based? Well, at the moment, and we've been living in Johannesburg, and we've had discussions on where to go. Should we stay in Joburg? Will it be Cape Town? Will it be London? So for now, it's Johannesburg, and we love it here. But our other home is on any Airbus or Boeing going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, I think what we found is Africa is home for us, wherever that's going to be. You've built up a successful career in design and hospitality over the years. What is it that drew you to the field in the first place? Well, I, I suppose my, my background's hospitality, and um, I studied hotel management and worked in uh, lodges and hospitality for many, many years. And I'm, I'm really passionate about um, the impact that hospitality and the way we design and where we design has on the developing world. And that's been a driving force since the first day I picked up a plate and served a glass of wine right through to today my own business, I think. Well, Chris, maybe it's like a different uh, entry. Yeah, it's, it, it was always there. It was design was always a thing in, in, that lurked in us or in me. And um, initially started wanted to be an architect uh, or a landscape designer. So I think landed pretty close on interior design, loving it that can be uh, with the hospitality slant. But you can imagine, Cassia, I mean, you can imagine the pillow talk, you know, because we're also married and have been since, the, since uh, we first started working together. So you can imagine the conversations we have. He's a closet uh, hotelier and I'm a closet uh, designer. Things can get interesting in our home sometimes, I must say. <laughs> I can just imagine. You've both worked ex- extensively for End Beyond and you're very close to the company. Can you share a little bit more about your history with End Beyond and also tell us a little bit about how Fox Brown Creative was born? Gosh, how long have we got? Are you saying <laughs> there's a long history there? <laughs> yeah, we started, I started in 1994. I came from, the, from Cape Town having worked at uh, the Bay Hotel and various other hotels in, in the Cape. And um, my first job, they, uh, I was flown up for an interview at Ingala Private Game Reserve, mm-hmm. and um, they said, just want to up the standards here a little bit. It was right in the early, you know, 94. Hospitality wasn't really a big thing in the lodges. It was more, you know, I think the ranger's girlfriend used to open a can of beans and kind of open it and cook it on the fire. And they were trying to kind of redefine hospitality. Yeah, so off I went thinking, you know, I'm just going to have this lovely off with my morning suit from being in hospitality and hotel schools and stuff to arrive in the bush to this crazy, wonderful, warm welcome. I thought I'd be there for about six months just to help out set the kitchen up and um, really I started as F&B. And the next thing I know, it was 20 years later and I was still working with Ambiant. <laughs> so that's how I started. Yeah, so my, my began, began was in 1996, coincidentally also adding gala. And actually, I had been forgotten. I was employed as the new in-house interior designer. And really, my job was to come and make sure that the lampshades were straight and the cushions were (laughs) nicely plumped. And I got to the Joburg office in those days in Weirda Valley, and 
the team that I, w I had to report to had forgotten that I was actually starting that day. <laughs> so there was a I was, I was put on a plane to Ingala, not expecting. I thought I was just going to have an office job. So that very first day, I was on a plane to Skakuza and uh, arrived at Ingala and walked into the old, what is now the spa and gym, which was the old conference room, into the Exco, which was the entire executive of and beyond and, and that particular lodge. It was the most intimidating day of my life. And sitting in the middle of all of those people was beautiful. <laughs> and they looked at this young guy. I think I had, long, I had a, lot, a lot of long hair back in those days. We still tease him that he missed the flight. How he likes that. Yeah. That was my first day on the job. And um, we started moving furniture almost instantly. And here we are nearly. Uh, nearly 30 years later, still moving furniture. We, we met over the sofa in the sitting room, and we, uh, I think less than six months ago, both of us were back at Ingala, still moving a sofa. The same sofa was being moved around. But we had a, if I can be honest, Cassie, we, we had the most amazing privilege working in Ambion all those years mm -hmm. ago. It taught us so much. And I mean, I was privileged enough. I lived in Zanzibar. I, opened in Gorongoro Crater Lodge, I opened Makalali, I ran the whole of Tanzania, I lived in Botswana, you know, and, and privileged to work. We worked in India, we um, went to South America in 2008, I don't know if you know, but we, yes. Ambion was already looking to, to develop this um, in, in South America then, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, then the global economy crashed and so things changed, so we, we had some amazing trips there, scouting properties. We really have been very, very lucky uh, to do that. And and from that, I think about 10 years ago, was it, yeah. well, actually 10 years 11, was our 10 year yeah. anniversary yeah. last year as Fox Brown Creative. We left um, beyond about 10 years ago and decided to set up our own business. We wanted to make a difference. We wanted to see if we could make a difference further afield and, and, and we could see that other businesses needed us too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me and Chris and we kind of sat down one day and we were like okay what are we going to do and we looked at each other and we said okay well, let's uh, try this you know I've got these skills you've got those skills and 10 years later we have got a team of what 15, 15 people and we're lucky enough that we still work with Ambiond um, we consult to, to you guys and we, we feel like we're still part of the family it's been a journey it's been wonderful actually yeah um, it's amazing how quickly time has flown it's just gone in, 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 in a flash of an eye we started obviously specifically around hospitality and design um, and, and interior design mostly. But, you know, we found we work with Nick Plumen Architects a lot on the Ambion properties, um, amazing architect. And but we found that on some of our other projects, we weren't really getting to work with such great architects always. And so about two years ago, three years ago, we uh, added architecture to our business. Um, being able to offer the full portfolio, and I think that for us is now it's, so we're going through a new a new stage of our business again, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but I guess the the Fox DNA that we have really has its roots in lodge design. I think mm -hmm. the lodge the lodge industry has really shaped us who we are and how we approach um, everything we do. And it's interesting to see the lodge design the lodge industry in this post-COVID period, we're about to be the post-COVID period, how that's going to influence hospitality globally because it's already so well positioned and so far ahead of the game. Um, and for, for our exposure to that, we're so grateful and I think we have a lot of insights. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes because Ambient was so ahead of its time, the, like 20 years ago when we when we first set out with with everybody, it was, it was so ahead of its time already and we see still now, 25 years later, people only now starting to try and adopt some of the cultural 
ethos that that Ambion had 25, 30 years ago that you've always had, you know, and trying to kind of figure out how to do it, how to how to bring all those things to play. So we'll see how they manage post COVID, but that uh, you can see them trying to catch up even now. Do you have any thoughts about how you think that design in the hospitality industry is going to have to adapt and change post-COVID-19? Do you feel that the safari industry is perhaps better able to adapt than the mainstream hospitality industry? Well, I think I wouldn't like to be a cruise ship owner or a big resort hotel mm-hmm. owner mm-hmm. in this period. But I think, I think the lodge industry um, and the small boutique uh, luxury travel industry, I think, is well-placed. I mean, they've got or a great infrastructure and designed around spacing and privacy and the, by the time the, the guest gets to, to a lodge or to one of these remote boat hotels, they're not too fussed about. We don't think they will They're be. not afraid. Um, they're so, going to be so sanitized by the time they reach you. Yeah. <laughs> they're just going to want a huge, big, open-armed hug when they get there. <laughs> um, but, but I think there some other design, uh, design uh, influences. I think people are craving comfort. Mm-hmm. Security. Um, I think we'll people want soft fabric, softer things around, uh, and really just um, a sense of cocooning that will happen, mm-hmm. which I think Ambion does so well already for our guests. You know, you you operate in, in dangerous, far-flung places, and and so you've always we've always known that guests are coming there looking for safety and comfort and mm-hmm. and to feel really feel safe. So I think, but I think as a whole, we'll see more and more of that in the design in the design industry. I think design plays a role in shaping the future we want to see. Sure. So you know, it's going to be up to us how we create that world and what we do for people. In terms of hospitality training, do you think that there are going to be challenges there? You spoke a little while ago about people getting to an Ambient Lodge and wanting that warm hug, which is something that the company is so well known for. Do you think that is going to be a challenge in terms of managing that? It's become so ingrained in, in a company like and beyond that that kind of greeting happens. Is it going to be a challenge managing that and making sure that guests still feel comfortable in a post-COVID world? I think it's going to be difficult initially, particularly, you know, Africa is about a warm welcome and, mm-hmm. and hospitality is in our blood. No matter where you go, there's an open-armed welcome. And I think it will be very difficult initially and some of the things we've been looking at is like hand-on-heart greetings and simple things like that to make people feel comfortable now. Mm-hmm. But I think that once guests, personally, without being disrespectful of where everyone's feelings are on, on this, I think that mm-hmm. hospitality is about making people feel welcome. And we can yeah. do that without touching, but the human, the human need is to, be, is to connect. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that people won't, it won't be long before we're back to um, making people feel welcome. I think what we will have to do in training is make sure that we are conscious of how guests will be feeling and and we're going to have to probably ask more. If, are you okay with me coming this close? Are you okay with me shaking hands or whatever that may be? I don't think we can assume that everybody's going to be in the same place. There are going to be some challenges in terms of serving food and serving wine, etc. But I think if, if all of us follow the rules of... of normal hygiene and practice and I think our guests will be safe and um, we're certainly not going to be flinging food across the table so we don't come near them <laughs> so that's for sure <laughs> you know we will see more people uh, you know buffets are a thing of the past we will see more um, uh, plated food and I think we'll see more comfort food 
And I also think that people will want to know how the kitchens are cleaned mm -hmm. and uh, what, what hygiene practices you have in place. So there, there'll also be a big focus on training initially. Going back to your work with Beyond on the design side specifically, when you work with Beyond Lodges, is it your goal to make every property consistent or do you try to give each a different feel and character? How do you manage the fact that they're all part of the same brand and yet all different properties? Well, I, I think I think it's essential to give uh, to create a unique a unique identity in each lodge and give the guests a different feeling, that unmistakable and beyond thread that links the experiences together. I think in this commoditized world we live in, with big brands and guests who are exposed to everything so easily via the internet, I think special, intimate, unique design and spaces are becoming more and more important. And we will work harder to, to tap into local design elements, the local industry, regional craft, to give a true sense of place. Because I think that's ultimately, that's real luxury, is to buy an authentic experience. And it's, I think it's, because it's dictated by the environment um, that we're in, the design. But really where we start is we, it, when we're in the space, we say, what does the guest want to experience here? and try and give each of those experiences a different, a different feeling, but tie it together in the way that Ambion delivers. So for us, because we know, we're privileged enough to know the Ambion way uh, after all these years, there is, a, there is a golden thread that runs through all the properties, both in design with, with the layers and the, the soulfulness and the sense of humor that comes through in, in a lot of the designs, but also in, in the way that guests are taken care of when they are with Ambion. That's how we tie them together, keep them different, but bring those similarities in. It, it's also getting, it's getting harder because, as you know, the, this um, part of the industry is quite competitive. And I think it's a challenge for us to really and truly understand what guests need mm -hmm. and deliver what's appropriate. Not get too, too tempted with over-servicing and over-providing things. Yeah, like, yeah. Do, do we need to have 65 plunge pools or whatever it is that we're trying to deliver the next in the moment yeah. you know I think the, the, the lodge teams and lodge designers and people who are involved in this industry need to really ask that question yeah. um, what's appropriate what's necessary and what's tr truly authentic and what's truly magical is it designed for Instagram or is it designed for guests yeah um, exactly mm -hmm. so you know we, we're being very mindful of that there is a lot of external pressure these days, and I can imagine it must be very difficult for you to balance what truly makes a difference and what is there just for show. Exactly. It really is a, a balancing act. Because I think guests do want that wow moment, and they do want that those bragging rights. Maybe post-COVID that's going to change a bit too, by the way. I think that is definitely people are going to be a little um, more sensitive, more sensitive yeah. about, yeah. Uh, about that sort of thing. But, but people do want that moment. So how do you create that moment, but still make it appropriate for the space, still comfortable, and still give the guests just what they need without being ostentatious mm -hmm. over the top? Yes. And the, the, the flip side of that coin is to, as Deborah says, is to give them what they need and, 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 and make them feel spoiled and not go the opposite direction of sort of being of greenwashing, yeah. because that's also, yes. um, I think, something to, be, to watch out for. So that, you can go too far the other way, and it becomes... A, Again, it loses its realness. Yeah, so it's about yeah. being authentic in, in the design and the delivery. Yeah. Yeah? 
Chris and Deborah, with your extensive experience with and beyond, and that being where your careers began, do you find that this has influenced the way that you design, not only for and beyond, but for your other clients as well? Yes, I think it's had a huge influence on, mm. on how we design. I mean, designing for the guest really was something we learned back mm. in the early 90s in those days, DC Africa. You know, Those circles in the forest, we used to yeah. call them, we used to go and sit on the site and really feel what the space felt like and walk around and talk through the experience and, and, and put ourselves in the shoes of the guest. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. And I think... Yeah. It influences how we design now. The, that through the eyes of the guest, which comes through on all the Ambion training, has its has its roots back then, mm. and mm-hmm. it's influenced all of us. Yeah. And, and and we do apply that to most of the jobs we do, but there are some operators out there who think interestingly think differently. Mm. Um, and and that, that, and that's there's a lot of wisdom in Ambion, mm. and to have Ambion as a client because of that is really amazing. What's been, what's been interesting, though, because we bump into, you know, the world is uh, full of ex-Ambionders and we bump into them in the industry wherever we go. Every lodge that we end up designing or working in, whichever client we've got, there's somebody who knows us or has worked with us in Ambion before. So it's amazing to see how that, both the culture of design, because I think we were leaders in, in the design uh, aspects of, uh, when, when, we, when we launched in, in Ambion, and I think it's interesting to see how that's influenced the industry and how your operating culture has influenced the industry. And, you know, those manuals that we used to do and the styling guides that we used to do for Ambion, yes. we see them, if they pop up in places, often they're like, we've got these operating practices. I'm like, hmm, interesting. I wrote those 20 years ago. Yes, those look familiar. Yeah, but you know it's great. What an amazing impact I've had, uh, you know, as, as a business and and for us personally. I think we feel we feel proud that we've had that impact in, in places. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I get asked all the time, and that's probably not a very fair question to ask. Do you have a favourite and beyond lodge, and if you do, why? Oh, that is a hard one. Are we allowed to say more than one? <laughs> 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 it's a terrible question because they really all have a a special place somewhere in our hearts for some reason or for something. But I think I think that obviously for Deb and I, the crater the crater lodge is, is a special place. Um, it's really where we cut our teeth properly mm. in the industry. Mm. It was, yes. it was pioneering, a pioneering ground project mm. under incredibly difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. and so we've professionally incredibly proud of that that lodge i mean that it's still standing 25 years later is a complete miracle yeah. but you know it's a, a magical place i think it's delivered for for the company over and over mm-hmm. and we met there yeah. and we fell in love there and we got married there so it's, it's got a kind of i think it's got a special yeah 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 but but i mean we also love kitra kitra was also yeah. just such a magical place the mara something about the the lights softness the softness the people and then, of course, Sandivi, because we had such fun designing that. That was like a breakthrough uh, design, another breakthrough design moment for us. You know, you have those moments in your in your career, and that was one of them as well. Although different different operating circumstances, different challenges, but it has a from a design point of view, it it, it challenged us, which was good. And sausage. Yeah, and now of course yeah. sausage. And you know, the desert has something. Oh God, and then I'll just, oh, no, I'll just, just choose them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, number two. When you talk about your favorite lodges, um, quite a few of them have been through refurbishments and through a couple of different looks and feels 
um, during their lifetime or even had extensive rebuilds done since they were first built. On an emotional level, how do you feel when you see a favorite lodge getting a brand new look? Is it exciting or is there a little bit of regret when you see some of your favorite elements being replaced? What is that emotional process like? No, actually, I, for me personally, I quite lo I love that process. I, mm -hmm. I think change is good, um, you know, and it's exciting. It's dynamic. It keeps yeah. life interesting. I, I don't think it's a good thing to hold on to the past too much. But, but, but you're very clever, and you always manage to sneak in a little bit of the history of the original world somehow without us even knowing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think that's to give the guest a sense of continuity and bring some depth to the experience. That it's not just, hey, look at this amazing design statement. That there's a story and there's a history. Mm. And I think you can you can show that off in subtle subtle ways mm. that guests really do appreciate, and it gives it a sense of gravitas. Yeah. So, so, for example, at Sandibi. When we um, took down the old guest area, which was a, had the most beautiful, beautiful um, uh, hardwood columns at the, uh, in the guest area, and we, were, we didn't want to lose them, so we sliced them and repurposed them into the vanities in every room. So now most guests know that, but for us, we were it gave a sense of. And continuity. And also, because we, we know the story of how those bloody tree trunks came from Zambia all those years ago, the money, the heartache that's get them there. Of course, no ways we're going to chop these up. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too much blood, sweat, and tears to do that. Yeah. yeah. So, if you look carefully, I would say almost in every Ambion lodge, except the ones that have either burnt down or, and even those you've managed to salvage, like a little odd, a little odd piece. Yeah. If you look carefully in that Ambion lodges, you'll find a little. Something somewhere. always somewhere, maybe in the most obscure place of a reference to the past mm -hmm. uh, of the of the. Property. But he's the most excited when they have to be redone. <laughs> it's like yeah. past or yeah. <laughs> it must be quite exciting for guests to come back time and time again to find these little reminders or almost kind of insider jokes about the history of the lodge. It must be quite a special feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we want to make them. This industry is about, it's about stories. That's all we want to tell, mm. stories and for guests to, to, to continue to tell them. Mm. Talking about stories, you must have had some absolutely incredible travel experiences while working in your profession. Have you got any favorite ones that you might be willing to share with us? Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, it's a good question to ask after this COVID period where we've been homebound and had been stationary. We've never been stationary for this long Ten period weeks. of time ever. It's the longest we've been. Prior to that, we were on the road for 260 days a year. Yeah, last um, year we had a, less than 100 days in our own beds at home. So, um, it's kind of like feels like a distant memory. All those those years of travel, but gee, we've been lucky. We've been everywhere, and um, I think. For me, I don't know about for Deborah, but for me, India was a real turning point, both working there professionally, setting up the Ambion Lodges when we had them, and um, from a design point of view, there's just it's just the most phenomenal country um, in terms of that. We still, and you know, we still go back there. Chris, Chris was particularly involved in setting up the original Ambion Lodges in Madhya Pradesh, mm -hmm. and it took about six traveling, I don't know, every six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, going, sourcing, finding. And you know, we still go back to some of those suppliers now, walk through those massive warehouses, and you think you've seen it all. You kind of think, okay, we're now gonna be so jaded, we're gonna look at this stuff. There's still one more beautiful thing after another with soul and patina and handmade. Mm -hmm. We sat in um, 
the marble crafts, uh, craftsman, handicrafts, yeah. handicrafts person, um, carving a, a marble basin with a lion's head on for us by hand uh, a couple of months ago. It was uh, extraordinary to see, but, to see the talent and, and to see the workmanship. But it also ma makes you realize what you've got in Africa and what we have in, in particularly in Southern Africa in terms of what's available in the design industry and the production mm -hmm. of the furnishings and the talent that's here because it is astounding. And it also makes you realize that you can't, you have to be true to where you are when you design that. You can't deliver like an, a looky likey Indian kind of vibe in Africa. It feels out of place. It's yeah. not appropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it makes you focus your energy again on what's, what's appropriate and what's real and what's right for here. Um, so. I, I must say, I think one of the most challenging places we have had to work, and we're working on a massive project there at the moment, is in London, is in the UK. Yes, I mean, you would think. And I, this is no disrespect to our client or to the place that we are, but you would think mm -hmm. that in a first world country, it'd be so much easier and more organized and, and I don't know, but it is so litigious and so health and safety over-regulated. Over yes. We can't, I mean, we can't get people to carry a TV up the stairs when you're doing an installation there. <laughs> or, you know, they're not certified and then it takes seven days to get a, a stamp to allow them to carry the teeth. That's not to say that the rules and regulations are a bad thing, just... But it's crazy, you know, in Africa, people, we have a real, there's a can-do attitude in Africa. When we travel in Africa, it's like, no problem, we'll fix it. Oh, you haven't got the tire, let's make one, or let's, mm -hmm. just, you know, it's just a different mindset. So, and it'll be interesting, again, post-COVID, how that mindset changes, because, you know, we're back at work for the first time and pe people are like, following all the rules and a little bit nervous, you know. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see if we still have that attitude as we go forward. With all the amazing artifacts that you see and all the research that you do for your design, particularly in view of what you, what you just said, Deborah, about seeing so many craftsmen producing truly exquisite artifacts, are you ever tempted to buy and bring back souvenirs and uh, incorporate them into your own home? Do you have any favorite pieces from your travels? Oh my God, I wish that Chris would bring me home souvenirs from all the places we travel. <laughs> I'm not allowed to buy them. <laughs> yeah. If we were allowed to buy things, we would be on those television shows called Hoarders. <laughs> you know? We, we, we're kind of quite choosy when we see stuff. We don't buy bric-a-brac or mm -hmm. cheap souvenirs. Yeah. But I have to say, we have got some, you know, when I look at our home, it's always a case of the cobbler goes last shot. I mean, we really... The, we, we will never have our home photographed because it's just not a designer kind of home. But mm. we have got some most beautiful pieces, sentimental pieces to yes. us. I got them when I was living in Tanzania and I was working at Klein's Camp and we'd spent years trying to sort out a, a, a lease there. And I got to know the community there quite well. And my gift when I left Tanzania was this amazing um, giraffe bone uh, spear that the Maasai used to actually hold open the lion's mouth when they um, when they get attacked in the field, mm -hmm. and it's made of a giraffe uh, femur, and it's it's buttered and it's it's rubbed with mm -hmm. cow fat and butter. It's when I look at that, it makes me I just go straight back to sitting in that client's yeah. uh, village, and so little pieces like that uh, that are that we're just not going to let go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like mine my, my is the most amazing, giant, giant, huge crocodile skull that we picked up in the Rufiji River. Yeah. It's totally illegal. I know we're not allowed to 
stuff. But it was just lying there. It was pretty old. It's massive. No, it's a giant. It's a giant. In fact, I had to pack it in two different suitcases, the top part of the drawer in one and the bottom half of the other. And it was, thank goodness, in the days before 9-11, so nothing was being scanned properly. They lost the bag. Oh, yes. Patsy, they lost the bag, and then we were worried we were going to get arrested from the crocodile. I promise we don't normally steal stuff from them. I never did it again. <laughs> I can just imagine the customs agent opening up that bag and getting the fright of his life. Oh, my God. That just so funny. Yeah. If it did get stopped, we were just going to say the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and Deborah, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing chatting to you, and we look forward to having you back with us soon. Thanks, Cassia, and uh, lovely chatting to you too. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Thank you for listening to and Beyond Fireside Chats. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. If you have any comments or feedback, or would like to suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, drop us an email at firesidechats at endbeyond.com. We'd love to hear from you.